So a few weeks later, I get a call from my agent and I happen to be at my childhood home in New Jersey in uh, a town called Linden, New Jersey, which okay. ironically enough, John, is probably a couple of miles from where the whole storyline of Jersey Boys takes place. <laughs> so it, it really was full circle. And my agent says, you're Mary Delgado in the movie. Clint Eastwood loves you. And I was like, what? Just, I mean, you can imagine I'm Good running around my you. house. Welcome to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. We keep digging for the secrets and stories of uncommon and everyday things and interesting people. Many of you will already know who Rene Marino is. She played the female lead, Mary Delgado, in the film Jersey Boys, directed by Clint Eastwood. Whether you are familiar with Rennie or not, you will come away from my interview coming up at her feeling a bit like, wow, everything she says is all so simple. And in ways, that's a fact, the secrets of life are sometimes in the simplicity of her approach, taking one simple step at a time. Rene Marino has a new book coming out, Becoming a Master Communicator, Balancing New School Technology and Old School Simplicity. She is a professional communications coach named by Yahoo Finance as one of the top 10 communication coaches to follow in 2021. You will soon find out why. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Growing up as a young girl in an Italian-American home, communication was plenty. And that was part of my upbringing. We would sit around the kitchen table, eating, laughing, talking, arguing sometimes, but nonetheless connecting through our conversations. So I can remember from five years old, loving talking to people, connecting with people. And I quickly realized that I had a love of performing. Renee Martin has toured North America with Cats, Disney's high school musical, and Jersey Boys. Her television credits include Regina on Fox's Weird Loners and the marvellous Mrs. Maisel. And she'll tell us how Clint Eastwood has inspired her life and her career. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Sherlock, it's grand to have you back. To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and insurance paperwork yeah i can do this you go karen by simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov that's ready.gov a message from fema and the ad council i hope you're all well we have a thought-provoking inspiring and constantly energetic guest for you. She is Renee Marino, a professional communications coach and a star of the stage and screen. I'm your host, John Aiden Byrne. Renee, welcome to my show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. You're a very busy career lady and you have a fantastic story. Your backstory is even more incredible. You have a new book coming out next year. It's on 
uh, pre-order, as a lot of books are nowadays. Very clever strategy. I saw the cover earlier. The name of your book is Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity. Well, that's the subtitle. The actual title is Becoming a Master Communicator. And the subtitle is, as you said, yes, Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity. What got my attention was not so much the overall theme, which is fascinating. It's a great idea because just before we went on the air, we were trying to get our coordinates right and our settings and I was pulling my hair out, but you were calm and reflective. So you're obviously a very good communicator (laughs) and you have all those, that energy for it. I necessarily don't on the technology side, but there was a wonderful blurb by one of my favorite directors, Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Tell us about that. It's just such an incredible honor. I played the role of Mary Delgado in the Jersey Boys movie, which was directed by the great legendary Clint Eastwood. And when I began writing this book, um, actually, I was on the way to completing it. I was thinking about the the people that I would be so blessed to have their endorsement on my book. And of course, one of the first people I thought of was Clint Eastwood, because not only is he the legend that we know, director, actor, producer, all of that, but because I know him on such a on such a deeper level now after working with him, he really became a mentor to me. I was like, oh, it would be such an honor for him to endorse the book. So I sent in the book and, and I reached out to him and I said, Clint, I have to tell you, I, I've written the book because I talked to him uh, last year. I actually saw him when I was in California. I was performing out there and I stopped by the Warner Brothers lot to see him. And I talked about this book. And of course, that he's an old school man, right? He's very old school. So when I told him the premise of the book, he was like, I love it. So when it was time for me to reach out, I, I sent him the book and he loved it. And yeah, he put his his mark on this book, which means everything to me. God bless him. So you had a leading role in Jersey Boys. That's how started off your uh, relationship, if you will, with Clint Eastwood. What was that like? It was one of the greatest times of my life. And the story behind it, I believe, is what is even cooler because it has, for me in my life, I'm such a, a woman who looks for messages and signs. And I really believe that everything happens the way it should. There's a reason for everything. And if we could take the lesson from it, that's really the gold. And I was performing in Jersey Boys on Broadway. It was a dream come true for me. I'm really from New Jersey. I had done the show on tour for years and I was in different casts. And 2013, I was playing the role of Mary and we got word that they were doing uh, a film of the musical. And I was like, well, that's cool. Didn't think much of it, John, because I assumed they're going to hire A-list celebrities out of Los Angeles. Didn't think much of it. And then one Sunday matinee, Clint Eastwood himself was in the audience. And I was like, oh, look at that. There he is. Again, didn't think that much of it. I thought it was amazing. We got to meet him after, take a picture. And a few weeks later, they started calling people in from our cast to audition. And at this point, I was like, well, this would be really cool to be a part of a film. I've never done film. I've been on Broadway for years. I toured before that. So I thought to myself, even if I'm a a face in a crowd scene, it would be really great to be a part of this film. So I call my agent and I say, I'm 
really interested in getting an appointment. She said, I'm on it. About a week later, they put out a breakdown for the role of Mary Delgado. And a breakdown is basically a description of the type of person they're seeking for the role. And again, I remind you, I was playing the role basically at the highest level you could on Broadway. So I knew that I typed into the role. So again, I called my agent and she said, I'm on it. Now, all fellow friends of mine are getting called in to audition for the role of Mary Delgado and I'm not getting a call. And at this point, I'm so confused thinking, wait a minute, how am I not even getting a chance to audition for the role that I'm currently playing? My agent calls me and she said, Renee, I don't know what the problem is. They won't see you for the role of Mary, but they'll give you an audition for one of the angels who sings, my boyfriend's back and you're gonna be in trouble, right? So I was like, well, that's cool, but (laughs) What's going on? You know, and I had this moment, John, where I sat on my couch. I'll never forget it. I I talk about it in the book. And I sat there and I was like, is this a sign? Like, am I not supposed to be in this business? I mean, I'm playing the role. Like, how are they telling me that I'm not the type when I'm playing her? And I felt my feelings. You know, I cried it out for about a half an hour. And then I physically threw my hands up and I said, well, I'm still going to go in and audition for an angel. And I'm in the audition room that day and I'm speaking with the casting director, Jeffrey McClatt, wonderful man, cast a lot of uh, Clint's films. And he said to me, Renee, would you like to sing the song first or read the scene for the angel? And I felt this inner knowing, this inner being, this quiet little voice rise up within me. And before I could even intervene, I was saying to Jeff, I said, I got to be honest with you, Jeff. I was really hoping to come in and read for the role of Mary Delgado. And I was like, what's he going to say? And he looks at me and he goes, I was just thinking the same thing. And I was like, amazing. Woo! You know, and I, I know I'm sure we all have those moments in our lives where it's like the tipping point. We can move forward. We could we could capitalize on an opportunity or we can hold ourselves back by listening to that negative voice in our head telling us we can't do it. We're not good enough. And that's that's that tipping point. That's what I talk about a lot in becoming a master communicator is how to really become that honest and authentic communicator so you can grab those opportunities. So then I go into the hallway for a little bit, work on the scenes, come back. I audition for Mary and I leave that day feeling so grateful. I was so grateful because I got the chance. That's all I ever wanted. I never thought, oh, I'm going to play this leading role in a film. I just wanted to know that when the film came out and I was watching it in the movie theaters that I knew I at least had a shot. So I go back to my eight shows a week on Broadway. And a few weeks later, I get a call from my agent and I happen to be at my childhood home in New Jersey in uh, a town called Linden, New Jersey, which ironically enough, John, is probably a couple of miles from where the whole storyline of Jersey Boys takes place. (laughs) So it, it really was full circle. And my agent says, you're Mary Delgado in the movie. Clint Eastwood loves you. And I was like, just I mean you can imagine I'm running around my house it was it was incredible and and again I'd never been on a film set before never did tv never did film so for me this was like it was bigger than I could have ever dreamed of was this your career break although you had been on stage Yes, I'd been on stage Broadway for years, but this was my first film. This was my first introduction really into television, film, you know, being behind the screen and not 
on a live stage. So it's different. It's very different. Those are two completely different mediums. And the first day on set, I get there. And just so you know, it was like jumping off of a cliff. Like I was like, Renee, you can do this. Clint Eastwood cast you, but it was like, you know, those nerves were rising in me. And that little voice was like, oh my God, Renee, you're going on a movie set on Warner Brothers, like a major feature film. But I, I took a breath and I said, okay, but you know what? You got this. You can do this. And Clint Eastwood walks up to me that first day and he goes, you know, I went around to all the different casts, but nobody was in your class. And then you came in and put yourself on tape and it was the icing on the cake. And I was just holding back the tears. It was surreal. And from that day on, every time I filmed, he and I would eat lunch together. I would pick his brain. Again, I am someone who loves communicating. I love learning. I love listening. So for me, this was like a masterclass in communication. Watching him as a leader on that film set, talk about a master communicator He is just such an incredible inspiration for those around him, not because it's in what he says, it's just in who he is. And and I like to say that the best leaders lead by being and not by telling. And that's that's Clint. So one day we're eating and it's him, myself, and the one of the producers of the film. And they start talking about how Clint knew he wanted me for the role when he saw me on Broadway. And I'm going to remind you that he saw me on Broadway weeks and weeks before I ever went into audition. And I put my fork down, which takes a lot because I love to eat. And I said, wait a minute. Do you guys want to hear a funny story? I actually didn't even have an appointment to audition for Mary. The only reason I got it is because I opened up my big mouth in the room and asked. And the two of them were like, what do you mean? We requested the girl from Broadway come into audition. And lo and behold, as we can all understand, because we've all faced this in our life in one way, shape or form, there was a miscommunication and a middle person casting associate who was casting a few films at once just dropped the ball. And I love to share this story because at first look, it sounds like, oh, this girl who got her big break. That's not what the meat of this story is about. It's about the power of honestly and directly communicating and having the confidence to do so. Because if I didn't do that in that room that day, John- It would never have happened. I could have missed my once in a lifetime opportunity. And, And it's just so, so important to remember that going back to what I explained before that I heard the quiet voice of my soul that day, which is what gave me the impetus to speak up. If we are not in constant communication with ourselves first and foremost, then we often disregard that voice because it's the quiet one, right? Mm -hmm. It's not as loud as the other negative voices that are talking to us all day long and caught in the mental chaos. This voice is quiet. And if we're not attuned to hearing that voice, then that's where we can miss opportunities. So that's why I I love, love sharing this story. It's a remarkable story, really is. There's a lot of lessons and layers in that. Self-confidence clearly helps, and you seem to have that in spades. Oh, thank you so much. It's it, it, But just like all of us, it's a practice. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, John, oh yeah, I mean, I'm just confident all the time. I never doubt myself. No, no, no. I'd like to call myself a master communicator. And that means that I am transparent and I am honest. And the truth is 
I face that self-doubt, that imposter syndrome, if you will, that voice that's constantly like, well, you did okay, but you could have done better, Mm. right? But it's a practice. And that's what's so important. It's why it's so important for us to get in that communication with ourselves. So when we need that self-talk, that self-love, we can offer it to ourselves. Just a quick thing on the movie making and your uh, working with Clint Eastwood, because I had a, another director, producer, writer on some months ago, and he knows Clint Eastwood quite well. I mean, he was talking about Clint's movie making strategies and the way he operates. And it's, it's quick. He doesn't waste time. He's not a, let's call it a perfectionist, but he brings out a perfect product. Did you have that experience? I just got chills as you said that because one of the greatest lessons of my life, I learned from Mr. Eastwood. They call him the boss. I learned from the boss and it was one day on set. I want to share this story with you because it's, it's such a beautiful story that taught me the gift of imperfection. And you write about that in your book and it's going to bring that up. And I'm glad we've intersected on this. Me too. I am too, because it's it's one of my favorite parts of the book. So I'm filming Frankie Valli and I's big breakup scene and emotions are high, John. In the scene, if you haven't seen the film, go see it. But if if you haven't, what, what's happening is I'm walking up the stairs, Frankie's following me and we're, we're yelling. And I've, I'm at my wits end. Frankie hasn't been home. He's on the road. I'm drinking a lot. And we do the scene once and then Clint yells cut and he goes, all right, I want you to do it again. But this time I want you to really give it to him. So I'm like, okay. So I get in the zone, <laughs> we go back and I start walking up the stairs and I'm like, you show up for a couple of days and you think that makes you a father and Ah! And all of a sudden I forget all of my lines. They just fly out of my mind. And like a couple seconds later, I pick it right back up and continue going. He yells cut and he goes, that was it. And I go, Clint, I forgot all my lines. And he looks at me and he goes, I don't care. It was real and it was raw and that's good. He said, when I was filming with Meryl and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's talking to me about Meryl Streep. Like it was like an out of body experience. He said, when I was working with Meryl, she used to love to do a million takes to get it perfect. But then I started recording her rehearsals and she would watch them back and realize how organic they were. And then she started loving, forgetting about doing all the takes and just doing either the rehearsal take or one take after that. And I sat back that day and I was like, wow a light bulb went off because since I was five years old, I was a professional performer and I was used to this perfectionist mentality. If it's not perfect, go back, do it again. It's not good enough, do it again. And to hear this from a man who made his living doing this beautifully, and as you say, it appears to be perfectly, he's telling me that it's actually about the imperfection. It's about the real, it's about the authentic. I was like, wow. And from that day forward, John, I had a completely different mindset and perspective on how to approach everything. And as a communication coach, this is what I teach my clients. This is what I now pass on the torch, if you will, by by showing my clients, whether it's on camera or off, when you are bringing your real self to your communications, to your conversations. It doesn't matter if you flub a word. It doesn't matter if you get a little nervous and you go off on a tangent sometimes. If you are being yourself in your most 
grounded, genuine way, that's what matters. So in other words, we can be our own worst critics. Absolutely. 100%. And and nobody else really notices. Because just back quickly on the the Clint phenomena, as I now call it, uh, his idea that was communicated to me is that it's so spontaneous. You do one take or two maximum. You've got it in the can, wrap it up. And not only have you a beautiful product, but you save a lot of anxiety. You get the show on the road. You get the production on the road. People are less stressed. They're full of energy for the next scene. And oftentimes what happens, I know this because I was a professional actress for over 16 years. After, you know, the first or second take, what happens is you overthink it. And how many of us overthink everything in our lives? Yeah. Especially nowadays, all of us are having to get on video, right? All of us are on Zoom calls. We're doing videos for our businesses, for our landing pages. And when we do that, if we keep going up to 50 takes, usually we end up taking the first one because we realize that was the best one. So yeah, yeah. He was he was so aware of this and and shared that with me and it just opened up my eyes in such an incredible way. You've had in your short lifetime so far had a long career, Broadway acting since 5. So a quick summary of your career because I'm fascinated by what you're doing now. You're a communication coach and you have a new book coming out and you have a lot of advice in there for people who want to learn. Yes. Well, I'll tell you from from the get-go, growing up as a young girl in an Italian-American home, communication was plenty. And that was part of my upbringing. We would sit around the kitchen table, eating, laughing, talking, arguing sometimes, but nonetheless connecting through our conversations. So I can remember from from five years old, loving talking to people, connecting with people. And I quickly realized that I had a love of performing. And I started out as a dancer. And then I got into community theater and singing and high school. I was in all of the shows. I played the leading roles all four years of my high school. And when it came time for college, I knew that my one true love was performing. And I said to myself, that is what I want to major in. I went to a liberal arts college, Wagner College in Staten Island, New York, but I knew that I wanted my major to be musical theater. And I did it and I loved it. Right after college, the day after my college graduation, my first professional job was as the lead singer in a casino show in Biloxi, Mississippi. And at this point, I was like, I've made it. We all have something in our lives that we love doing, right? Our hobby. And for me, singing, dancing, performing, that was my hobby. I did it for free my whole life. So when I got my first paycheck at 21 years old, because I was the lead singer in this casino show, I called my mom up and I was like, mom, I just got paid to do what I love. And she was like, I'm so proud of you. (laughs) So it was, you know, such a beautiful moment where I realized I was like, wait, what you do can coincide with what you do for a living. This is pretty cool. And I went on to tour the country and beyond on the national tours of Cats and Disney's High School Musical and Jersey Boys. And my biggest dream since a little girl was to to perform on Broadway. And after many years, I want to I want to get real with you all and just say this is a very abridged version. I could share all of the highs and lows with you, but I will say this: what I had to do was become rejection proof Mm. because it was constant rejection. I had to endure thousands upon thousands of no's 
before actually reaching my dream to then be on Broadway. Um, that happened in 2010. And from there, I did five other Broadway shows and the Jersey Boys film and a couple of TV shows. And while I was doing my most recent Broadway show, Pretty Woman, the musical, I began writing my book. And when that show closed, I knew, John, that there were other gifts within me that I wanted to activate. I was always a writer. I loved writing and and coaching. I always taught dance class and I coached. I would do different workshops. So coaching was also a, a passion of mine. And I I said, it's time to activate those other gifts. And that's what I did. I took a course and I became a communication coach and I'm helping people to create those genuine connections in their life and business on camera and off through communication. Who are your clients? Who who do you advise and consult with? Well, when it comes to video, which actually wasn't even my my vision at first, when I thought of my communication coaching, it was really to help people to be able to speak up for themselves in their personal relationships and in their work relationships. But what happened was I was a part of a Tony Robbins challenge called the Comeback Challenge. And there were about 300,000 people in the group. And every day the homework was to go live on Facebook and talk about the subject at hand. And after I went live the first day, I got a slew of messages from people all over the world asking me how I did that. Oh my goodness, can you teach me how to do that? And at first I was like, what do they mean? I I don't know what they're asking. And it was the ability to get on video and be myself. So I had this moment, it was at the start of the pandemic, and I said, Renee, people need this now. They need to understand how to communicate digitally and virtually because so many of us have not done it. So I started coaching many entrepreneurs, business owners who were not used to being behind a screen or, or a camera. So that uh, are those are my primary clients for video. And I'm now coaching many, many clients personally, being able to have that confidence, as you said, to speak up when they feel the need to not be, as I, as I refer to in my book, communication phobic, where they're constantly avoiding and they're running away from either the conversation within or the conversation in an exterior relationship. Is most of this on social media platforms or is it also involve in-person public speaking? Right now, it's it's all through Zoom. My, my one-on-one sessions, we do through Zoom. And really, it's it's been because of, of the world and, and how it was shut down in, in the last year, year or so. Um, but I do look forward to getting back to in-person. Um, a lot of what I do as well as keynote speaking, coaching companies on enriching their communication skills. And I can't wait, John. I love being in person. You know, again, I'm used to the stage, so I can't wait to feel the physical energy of, of my clients and many other people who are looking to improve their communication. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. This breaks my heart, and it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste and gives it to families in need. To help, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
My guest is Rene Marino, a professional communication coach, a star of the stage and screen, and author of this soon-to-be-released Becoming a Master Communicator, Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity. I'm your host, John Aidan Byrne. Yeah, and a lot of people have the same feeling. We want to get out there. The shutdowns have been um, exhausting and draining. But I also meant, do you teach your clients, your entrepreneurs, CEOs, or whoever they are, to work on social media and also to present in public in a stage, in a hall, for example, or at a convention? Yes, absolutely. It really all ties together at, at the end of the day. And that's what what you learn when, when you're a client of mine is that we, we kind of rewind, rewind, rewind and get to the base level, ground level. What is this about? And for every aspect of my coaching, which is helping people to be able to speak with confidence, be able to share their message with confidence, whether it's in person um, at an event that they're speaking at or virtually, it all comes down to being able to honor exactly who you are and bring that person out. What I notice, especially with my clients who come to me initially is because of the nerves and and the self-doubt and the voice, they're not able to bring their real selves and their real energy to their interactions. So that is a lot of what I do. And once we get to that place, then they can get on stages. They can be behind a computer. It doesn't matter because it all comes down to being their genuine, honest, authentic selves. Yeah, because, you know, the course to me that the COVID has changed a lot of the rules of the game, Zoom calls, social media. So CEOs almost had to change their messaging in some ways. You know, they might go walk into a room and chit-chat. How are you doing, Joe, Mary, blah, blah, blah. Zoom is to the point. It's high tech. People are looking at your presentation. So they're sort of two different platforms. 100%. When I help individuals with video, camera, whether it's a Zoom meeting, whether it's doing videos for their business, what I like to explain is that the difference when we're communicating virtually is that we need to do a little bit of the pre-work, setting our, our virtual space, if you will. Having a space set aside that you know is meant for your videos or your or your virtual meetings. Because if not, what happens is we then can't listen. And the one of the biggest components of communication is listening. We can't listen to the other people in our virtual meeting or our video call because what are we doing? We're looking at ourselves and we're like, am I in frame? Ooh, is my lighting okay? Wait, what's that on my back wall? Oh, I should have taken that photo <laughs> off, right? And then we're totally, yeah, I know. we're totally distracted. We're completely yeah. distracted. So I have a, I have a workshop course that I teach called Connecting on Camera. And it's a two day live workshop that I teach. And it's all about bringing yourself to the video, we talk about the background, the sound, the lighting, all of those things that we didn't have to think about in person. <laughs> we yeah. could just speak. Now it's, it is more involved, but when you get to the point where you have that space set and you're comfortable in those settings, then it can be become really effortless. And you can really get your game going. Uh, you write about five signs you are communication phobic. Tell us about that. Communication phobic is an incredible, I love it. It's just an incredible phrase that one of my clients shared with me. And I told her, I said, I'm using this 
This describes so many people and what they experience. And this is a really clear way to put it, right? I'm just communication phobic. If you are someone who tends to avoid, avoid either having to speak up or you avoid the conversation because you believe that it means confrontation, that means that you're communication phobic. If you are someone who would rather communicate behind a screen, meaning through email or texting without having to see someone's face or, or hear their voice, that's often a sign that you're communication phobic. You know, it's, it's funny, John, in the book, I talk a lot about how so many problems arise when we are just texting and emailing. And I'm sure you've experienced it yes, experienced all the time. So many times, right, where I could be texting you and and I'm thinking it's just a casual back and forth, but accidentally autocorrect takes over and then changes the intention of my message, which then makes you sit back and go, huh, well, that was a little rude or <laughs> right. We, we place yeah, well, a complete misunderstanding. It's, it's remarkable. We place intention on just words. And that is is where so many of our misperceptions arise, where relationships I've seen broken up over, over the silliest of things because we just don't have that confidence to say, you know what, I'm going to pick up the phone and call you, John, because I feel like there's some back and forth going on that actually isn't, isn't very clear. So. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, I, I just think social media and COVID combined have it change the rules of the game in an extraordinary way that a lot of people who work in offices or in professional jobs, some of them have leaned heavily on social media and have become almost dependent on it. You know, when we get fully out of this, they may not know how to do that kind of communication you're referring to. Pick up the phone, go into the office, sit with your boss or your colleague. So many things can go wrong just sending texts and messages out and through those Zoom calls. You're 100% right. And that is why it is so vital to understand how to gauge these two worlds. That's why I say, that's why I made that subtitle balancing, right? We all want balance in our lives, but it's balancing these two worlds of new school technology, which is only getting more and more advanced with what I refer to as old school simplicity, which are those more personal channels of communication, meeting in person or picking up the phone to your ear to have a phone call or something that really is becoming rare these days, a handwritten letter where yeah. your thoughts and your personal touch of your hand handwriting and your signature are on that page. Being able to balance those two worlds is such a power tool because then you're in control of how and when you're using your digital channels of communication versus when you know it's the right time and place to say, actually, I think we should meet for lunch and talk about this. Who should read your book? Okay. I want to say everyone, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say individuals who are finding that they're not in the place in their lives that they've envisioned. They feel like they're doing everything the right way, but there's just this missing link that they feel like hasn't been activated. The reason why I say that is because communication is like breathing. We don't think about it often until something goes wrong, right? You don't think about how you're breathing until you have an anxiety attack and you're like, I can't catch my breath. The same is true with communication. We don't really take notice of how we're 
speaking to someone or texting them until there's a problem. And then we have to take a step back and say, okay, hold on a second. I, maybe it's something I said or the way I said it. So the people who would love this book, who are meant for this book are those individuals who are feeling like something is just missing. And I can assure you that communication even if you didn't think it can be that missing link because everything starts with communication. In addition, parents, parents right now who are trying to help their children get away from the blue lights of the screens, get away from the video games and still go out with their friends and play and have that physicality. This is going to be a powerful book to give these parents practices, actionable, easy to implement practices that they can start to use today to help their children. Teachers. I have many, many friends who are teachers, and this is a problem in the classroom. Uh, many of the students nowadays are distracted, right? Distracted because their smartphones are with them. They get notifications. They're not paying attention. And also entrepreneurs and business owners who are wanting to become the most powerful leaders that they can. As I said to you early on, that's what I admire so much about Clint Eastwood is that he is such a true leader because he leads by being a master communicator. He leads by embodying that. And for so many of us, I'm an entrepreneur. I see it every day. I live it. How communication is number one, the way I speak to my clients, the way I interact with my team. So for you business owners, operators out there, entrepreneurs, this book is for you. You are going to, yeah, you're going to learn how to communicate in such a simpler and more effective way. Yeah. And just on Clint real quickly, he gets a lot of work done. Look at all the movies he produces. Oh my goodness. People are walking up to him, handing him money to make the next movie. People want him to be their leader. And what I've said to him many a times, I actually, I just sent him my book, you know, and I wrote him a handwritten thank you, everybody. And that's what I said to him. I said, Clint, you know, everyone admires you because of your work, which is obviously magnificent, who you are as an actor, a writer, a director, but it's who you are as a person how genuine you are, how real you are. That is what I admire the most. And he said this to me on set one day, John, and this was another golden nugget of of Clint's that I carry with me. I was asking him in the middle of one of our takes, I said, Clint, what was like your uh, acting style growing up? Like how, what did you study? What was your style? And he looks at me and he goes, person in a scene is talking to me. I listen and I react honestly. And I was like, of course, it's so simple as simplicity, right? That's from the acting side. But I want you all to think about that in life, in your communications. How effectively and truly are you listening when another person's speaking? What I notice, especially in in this climate, in our society right now, no one's listening. Everyone is listening to reply and respond, but they're not listening to understand and to seek another way of understanding or a new perspective. And if we could learn to listen in that way, fully being open to receive, everything will change for the better. Everything. Renny, you have a website. If people want to learn more about you or to order the book, give us the details. Yes, absolutely. So as John said, the book is available for pre-order, which is so exciting. When you pre-order now, you get two incredible bonuses. 
One is 21 ways to use communication to increase business opportunities. And number two is an introspective video journaling tool that's actually in my actual book. These two bonuses are amazing because you can start to use them immediately. And to pre-order, all you have to do is go to becomingamastercommunicator.com and you will get those bonuses in your email and definitely reach out to me, everyone, on Instagram. You can find me at I am Renee Marino. I love hearing your feedback. And if you have questions, just send me a DM. Also, my website, ReneeMarino.com. Renee Marino, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Good luck with the book and your career. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You are listening to Dig Life Deep with John Aiden Byrne. You can reach the host in the U.S. at 973-529-4699. That's 973-529-4699. 973-529-4699. Email burndesk at gmail.com. That's burndesk, B-Y-R-N-E, desk at gmail.com burndesk at gmail.com. Subscribe for free.